Ah, yeah, it's Monday night. Time for Occam's Razor live on East FM 88.1107.1. I'm your host, Jim Birchall. We're here for episode 19 and we're talking cryptids tonight. I got my man Sam Collier back in the studio because he had nowhere else. Uh, yeah. Well, nowhere better to be, did Not you? Not only be the bachelor or married at first. <laughs> Absolutely. Got to love you've, the bachelor. You've saved me, really. Yeah, fair play, too. We're talking lesser-known cryptids tonight. Um, by lesser-known cryptids, obviously, we know that we mean the cryptids that don't quite get the love that the big guns get. The big guns, we're talking Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, the Chupacabra, Jersey Devil, Mothman, Big Cats, this sort of carry-on. You've been doing some research for us, Sam, haven't you? Oh, yeah, and, yeah, and you've right. come up with something that I don't think anyone has heard of. Well, it was just one that I was that I'd come over and 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 um, while I was re- researching, uh, one that can only be described as a flying dolphin, and it was photographed by a Michael White. It was seen flying over New Zealand in 1999. Okay. I can't for the life of me. <laughs> okay. So I'm, I'm trying to keep a straight face with that it, one. But. It's it's what they uh, like to describe as an atmospheric cryptid. So okay. that's something that's seen in the sky and, you know, um, otherwise seen as jellyfish or things like that, big sure. floaty, uh, you know, blob-looking things floating in the sky. So, yeah. Um, it said that this that this cryptid was, um, but I mean that's a little bit more than a big blob floating in the sky, yeah, isn't it? Like you know, indeterminate. If someone's saying that's definitely a, a um, dolphin, and I, you know, that's what I've seen. Yeah, you said it was either a dolphin or a whale, so oh, okay. a, a porpoise of some sort. Okay, so, so <laughs> let's just go with porpoise for argument's sake. Yeah. So, How big was said animal? Uh, well, it didn't didn't uh, come with any specific sizes, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's all I could find on the actual story. I'd never heard of it before. Um, I'm going to so say that's news if, to me. And I, if, I, if anyone yeah. knows who Michael White is, and if you can find us a copy of the photograph, I'd love to see it. But yeah, um, but you couldn't find. So where did you get that intel about the flying dolphin? Um, I was looking up atmospheric cryptids, so it's something a little bit different. Sure. Um, so what, what um, other examples of atmospheric cryptids are there? Well, or have you come across anyway? Sometimes, you, like I said, um, people seem to have spotted like uh, jellyfish-type creatures floating in the sky, you know, as if yep. they should be in the sea, but they're in the sky. Um, sometimes they're described as, as you know, tentacle-like and things like that. So, mm. um, When I think of that, um, I think of all those old stories um, of uh, raining frogs and, and um, you know, blood-red skies and raining frogs and animals and lizards and stuff that have been picked up probably by some sort of not a storm surge but probably by a um you know a typhoon or a cyclone or something like that and have been deposited elsewhere there's quite a lot of famous cases of that um happening isn't there yeah i mean if it definitely was a dolphin or a whale something like that it's a hell of a strong uh, surge yeah something like a jellyfish seen floating around in the sky i can i can (laughs) you know you can be forgiven if you think that maybe it might be a a hot air balloon that's that's <laughs> blown or a kite or something like yeah. that. Um, there there have been sightings of what people believe to have been. Um, I don't know whether you're a fan of Harry Potter or anything like that. But I the, have the, literally the, never seen it. I've never. I haven't seen a lot of them, but no. um, there were creatures called the Dementors, and they were big, like Grim Reaper type things flying around. And sure, there is um, one that came out a few years ago, and it was of these creatures flying through the sky. Yeah. Um, as it turns out, they were just kites that, okay. that had gotten loose. <laughs> Someone had taken a photo of it and gone, oh, my God, what is yeah. this? So, you know, I 
Because, I mean, every now and then um, someone sees a pterodactyl or something like that, don't they? Um, And then it it lends credit towards Native American legend of thunderbirds and and this sort of thing. Um, Mistaken identity obviously plays quite a big part when it comes to cryptics. Um, I had my own case of mistaken identity not long ago. I was at uh, a beach. Now, where was I? Fatapu, out on the uh, west coast yep. of Auckland. Quite a mysterious sort of place. And I understand the team from Haunted Auckland did a uh, paranormal investigation in one of the caves there. Is that right? Yeah, we've, we've investigated the caves. Um, allegedly, these footsteps heard. And they're... At one point, I believe... Is it, sorry, Ginger, is that the cave with the dance floor in it? There's one there, to be there repeated. There is allegedly a dance floor, yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, it's as a strange as that sounds. now. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, apparently it was quite a happening place where people would turn up and have a bit mm. of a boogie. Because uh, there was a big maritime accident out there, yeah, wasn't there, was, there back, yeah. in the, back in the day? And they used it as a port for logging, bringing logs um, yep. via sea into uh, to Port of Manukau, yeah, didn't it? Of course, it? allegedly, if you, if you go digging, you know, there are remnants of these... Yeah, these disasters and the and the um, port's still there. So, when I was at um, Farapu, I came across a strange uh, bird, basically a half sparrow, half sort of canary, had a big yellow head on it, and I thought, here we go, I'm in business, I've discovered a new species, genus, whatever you want, I'm going to be in the paper tomorrow. Um, right. And even though I write the paper, so that I could have thrown it in there, I um, did did. Uh, chose a conservative route and made some inquiries with a professor from Te Papa, the National Museum of New Zealand, um, and he told me that it was a yellow hammer, right? A bird called a yellow hammer, which is remarkably common. Yet I'd never seen one before. Not kind of like a finch type bird. Um, no, he said. Well, as I was described, it was kind of a, um, a sparrow cross with a sort of a canary or a yeah. parrot or something yeah. like that. Well, that's in appearance, anyway. But apparently they um, they're not indigenous, but they've they've been here since since uh, Europeans have been in the country. But it's interesting because if I'd never seen one, I've been alive forty two years and lived in Auckland for most of that time, and I've never seen one of these birds. Imagine how many species are out there that people don't actually know about. Yep, and and when you think about it, if you didn't take a photograph of it and then you went along and described it to somebody, yeah, and then that person described it to somebody else. Can you imagine how the details would slightly change every time that story is told? Absolutely. It'd be, of, it'd be breathing sudden, fire it's, by it's, the it's end wing, of it, wouldn't yeah, it? wingspan's probably about, you know, two metres each way. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not just a little sort of thing that just hops around. That's right, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Have you ever heard of the, uh, wo- sorry, I'll do that again, Waitoreki? Yes. The, you have? Yep. Now, I've only just learned about this today when I was doing some research for the show. It popped up on my... Uh, screen from one side or the other. Uh, it's a New Zealand beaver or otter, or an alleged beaver or otter sort of creature um, that has been sighted down the South Island predominantly, um, going back to the days of uh, Julius van Haast, which or von Haast, he was a German kind of explorer guy who set up the um, Museum of, of Canterbury in, in Christchurch, I understand, back in the sort of 19th century. Um, tell us about this this little beast. He sounds quite cute, to be honest. Well, yeah, it sounds like either a beaver or an otter. Mm. Um, so we're thinking stowaway, probably, aren't stowaway, we? Stowaway, possibly. Yeah. Um, and apparently there were animals similar to that description released around about the same time for hunting. So whether they survived yeah. or not remains to be seen, of course. The fact that he had a full yeah. pelt. Meaning, he had a full pelt, yeah, yeah. that lends weight to the fact that they were hunted for. Yeah, so he, uh, apparently it was described as being brown with white spots, so 
I mean, I'm, I'm not, you know, fully clued up on, on otter species and things like mm. that, but I've never witnessed or seen one that actually had, if you go to the zoo, mm. they're all brown, they don't have spots. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah. I mean, some sort of, well, I don't want to say mutation, but sort of some sort of interbreeding with another with a similar species or something like that. Maybe a water vole snuck on board a ship, came over from England like that, yeah. or that sort of thing. I mean, that's what I would place it at. But yeah, I mean, I wouldn't put it past uh, an animal like that to um, have travelled from somewhere yep. over a short distance, perhaps. Or, yeah, it doesn't take much away. space, wouldn't be yeah. noticed. Um, but it's going to have to have a breeding pair, though, isn't it? So Yeah, and I remember vaguely a few years ago now, there was an otter that did escape from the zoo, and there was a big, That's big right. story about it. So, it did a run around yeah. Greyland, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. That, that could account for recent sightings. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Have you ever seen a, um in inverted com- commas, cryptid? yourself no i don't believe i have okay um i did see a strange beast um when i lived in the uk i lived in kent uh in maidstone um which is about sort of 45 minutes from london and just at the back of my flat one day in the car park there was a strange beast now this was about 2008 and i'd uh foxes are pretty prevalent in the uk like you see them in your trash and stuff they're everywhere like they're they're urban dwellers now with the encroachment of man, obviously, they've, they've come to. But um, I saw this thing I assumed was a fox out the back just in the car park by my house eating at something or other, just rubbish in the bin or something like that. And I, I sort of looked at him and went, that's a funny-looking beast. And I went, oh, okay, that's a fox and blah, 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 and just you know, made a mental connection that way. However, when I actually saw a fox uh, maybe a few weeks later down, um, where was I? I think it was down in Sussex um, at a, at a castle or something, I think I saw a fox at a dart across the thing, and I thought that looks nothing like the thing I saw behind my house. If I could describe it, it was more coyote looking. Right. Um, it certainly had more characteristics of a dog, or at least maybe a dog meeting with a fox, if that's biologically possible. I don't know. Uh, um, yeah, but it was certainly, it, no, it, you know, it just didn't fit the description of what I thought, um, well, of, of what I'd seen. And, and from then on, I was thinking. Maybe there is more to this, you know. Maybe there's a lot of lot of strange beasts that uh, we know. We know stuff washes up, you know. And yep. we've talked about this before: the remains of whales and and bits of chewed up blubber that you know sort of wash up on on the beach. And you know, scientists put a name to it eventually. After well, not always, because sometimes it stinks and they have to bury it, you know. And it never it never reaches the. Well, there was the that land. one off the coast of New Zealand. The Japanese fishermen pulled up. Yep. what they believe to be a plesiosaur type yep. Loch Ness type character. Yeah, but um, it, it was thrown back in the water before they could do any testing on it. Mm. There's only one photograph, as far as I've I've seen, and it's just a carcass that from the phone. Mm. You can't really tell what it is. Which one are you referring to? I'm, I'm in my mind. I'm thinking about one from the '60s, but are you thinking about more modern yeah, times? Yeah, would have been around about then. Black and white photo. Yeah, 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 and it's a big mess of something, and yeah. you're not really quite sure what it and is. People are, uh, are saying, you know, just from the photos, I can tell that it's a shark. So, yeah. What? Where was this exactly? It was off the coast of New Zealand. I can't oh, okay, so that so kind of elim- Japanese fishermen. Okay, so that kind of eliminates the basking shark theory, yeah. which which pops up a lot when yeah. things wash up, particularly in the in the northern hemisphere. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, if you get beasts that live at, at you know great depths, like um, ones that very rarely wash up, you know, your first impression is you know that's that's something alien to us. It's foreign to us. It's unknown. 
but it's exciting, as we'd say, because it, it opens up the possibility of, of cryptids being being a reality, you know? Yeah. So it's interesting. Um, not really a cryptid, but I promised a friend of mine, uh, Jerry. Uh, Jerry is a pod jock on a new podcast network in the United Kingdom called The Podcast Radio, and they're launching tomorrow morning or tomorrow evening uh, New Zealand time. And him and I in the past have had some great discussions, usually over a few pints of lager, uh, over Spring Hill Jack. Um, I'm not sure if he quite counts in terms of being a cryptid, but it's certainly some sort of unknown beast. I have my own theories on what Spring Hill Jack I was. I have my own theories. I mean, it depends on who you ask, whether he's, yeah. he's, he's definitely... Just a, a, we'll do a bit of background anyway for those who don't know. Spring Hill Jack was a... Oh, I don't know, a cryptid or a paranormal entity of some kind, demonic uh, sort of thing, a guy that was tall, slim in description, um, described as having fiery eyes and big talon hands and all this sort of carry-on, who could jump basically from, you know, nine feet, ten feet in the air and spring, hence spring heel himself around town. Um, first sighting, I think, when he was 1837 and the last of, um, was I think in Wales at sort of the turn of the 20th century. So sorry, keep going. Yeah, I mean, I my thoughts on it is that he's probably one of the most determined perverts of the time. <laughs> he's just, yeah, yeah. He's, he's some sort of aristocrat who's had a lot of money and mm. a lot of time on his hands. And he's a bit bored, right? He's a bit bored. Yeah. Um, not only that, I think that, you know, as the stories are told, they are embellished a little bit. Yep. And as I say, the Chinese whispers go on and on and on. Yep. And he's he's gone for especially Victorian times because yeah. I mean, you know, we've touched on this before, but it was the birth of kind of spirituality and a lot of spirit photographs and stuff like that. And people were taken a bit like the UFO kind of hysteria that hit in the sort of fifties and stuff like that as well. Yeah. You know, the people were, were pretty taken with it, and there was no TV or internet really to, well, not certainly not then. And of um, course, you had, you had this, the surge in popularity of the Penny Dreadfuls and sure. and um, you know. Bram Stoker, Dracula, yep. all these horror stories that, yep. that started to come out at the time. Of course, uh, Jack the Ripper as well. So sure. you know, but a stranger danger going on. Yeah, and I just think it's it's some guy that I mean, obviously having a giraffe, as they he, say. Yeah, yeah. Um, as for, how do we account for the um, the spring hilled element? Though my thoughts is that he he was probably seen jumping over a fence at some stage or climbing over a fence. Yeah. From saying uh, he jumped over a fence, which obviously transferred to he scaled over a fence or he flew over a fence. Yeah. You know, it depends on the language that someone's using as yep. the story is being told, and then it's just. Sure. It's, it's been misinterpreted at, at some point. But we don't think he's some sort of man goat hybrid or anything like that. I don't think so. Okay. Un- unless, of course, he's some sort of engineer and he's he's made, you know, <laughs> spring heeled boots or whatever. It, there was an Irish aristocrat called the Marquis of Waterford, um, and he's been sort of tarred a little, or he was tarred a little bit with the, the thing. There was nothing concrete that ever suggested that he was the fellow running around sort of um, uh, the UK and, and so forth with a cape on scaring woman. Um, I think that what made it more genuine in this case was the eyewitness accounts from the two there was two or three young ladies that were assaulted wasn't there um by a fellow who claimed to be a policeman and then led them into an alleyway and said guess what i'm whatever you want to call him spring jack 
Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't think he's some sort of hybrid. I think we're both on the same wavelength and thinking <laughs> that it's, uh, you know, a case of mass hysteria one, striking once again. And it was probably a bored aristocrat, you know, sitting around. I've got a lot of money. Let's have a bit of fun. Yeah. I don't have to work for a living, you know, and uh, let's make fun of commoners, you know. Yeah. And create something out of nothing. Uh, and obviously, it... Um it got him a lot, got him a lot of pleasure at times. <laughs> Absolutely, but I mean, he was sort of the uh, Mothman of his day to an extent. He wasn't was, yeah. He? And, I mean, obviously, yeah. he'd been written about, and yeah, with his fame, you know, he, he obviously tried to do it a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with these alleged cryptids, you do see a lot of them coming out of the United States. I mean, we've all seen that terrible show on. Uh, whatever channel Nat Geo or Animal Planet where they all the the good old boys will go around and, and chase sort of swamp monsters yeah. and things like that. Travel Channel, I think it is. Is a Travel Channel, yeah. is it? Yeah, these sort of Duck Dynasty looking guys. I can't remember yeah. the exact name of the show if you, unless you know it. Um, no. they, you know they chase people, they chase all these sort of mythical beasts, but strangely none of them ever get caught on camera. No, but the thing I love with watching those shows, and I don't watch a lot of them to be fair, mm. but you see these guys sitting in the dark with their. Um, with their infrared cameras and you know what you see is these faces and the and the green light and yep. they're calling out with their bigfoot calls and and sooner or later this call comes back and you, yep. I'm thinking in my mind that it's just another guy with a TV crew sitting across the way yeah they're think, calling to each other I think we're both thinking that <laughs> yeah but you know it's 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 obviously hit the mark because it's done quite a lot of series on it you know and I think people just I think the majority of people realise it's a bit of fun. Yeah. Um, and as long as you, that's how you take it, you know, then that's fine. You know, it's not, it's not um, promoting itself as a serious look at, you know, investigation to the paranormal or anything like that. No, so. and I think a lot of people carry on watching it because they they feel as if they don't watch that episode, it's going to be the episode where something good happens. <laughs> Absolutely. And, like on uh, Finding uh, Bigfoot and they're finally going to find him. The reality is, is that, if they do find something good, it's probably going to make the news as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And we would have heard about it by now, wouldn't we? Yeah, we would have. One of the coolest ones of these uh, sort of swamp monster type is the uh, one from Honey Island. Have you ever heard of this one? Not that one, no. Okay, it's in Louisiana, so straight away I'm, I'm a little bit cynical. Um, basically a seven-foot skunk ape. Um, yeah, and uh, it, was, it was seen, well, allegedly seen by a guy called Harlan Ford, a retired air traffic controller, which, um, you know, when when someone has a profession like that, albeit retired, instantly the writer is, is trying to instill some credibility into the story. Yep. You know, he's a professional guy. He, he was in charge of people's lives and planes and pushing tin, as they call it. You know, he mustn't be making it up. He might have seen something, but I don't think he's sort of a seven-foot sort of skunk ape. Um, ha- having said that, um, there has been... Do you remember that photo of the skunk cape that woman took in Florida? Yeah, um, I've seen. What do you very, think that is? Well, I don't know. I mean, it does look like a, a something. It it's simian, kind of, kind isn't of, it? Kind like, of, mm. but it, yeah, it could be one of those people. If if you think of those uh, military camouflage suits, where it's like a ghillie like, suit, sort of. Yeah, thing. like a very mossy sort of suit, mm. um, and that's what the skunk cape is described as. He's, he's mm. like quite considerably hairy and and matted hair and. Allegedly smells quite bad as well, hence the name. Hence the skunk ape, yeah. Um, <laughs> I heard a very, very interesting theory for um, our friend, the Honey Island Swamp Monster. The story goes that um, 
there was a circus uh, coming into town on a train and it was had a bunch of chimps given uh, well circuses had sort of um, apes and animals and stuff like that back in the day um, and a chimps and had a crash the chimps escaped and interbred with some alligators how does that, how does that sit with you well um, yeah I'm not I'm not a big um, science person necessarily yeah. but I don't think that's going to work no no <laughs> Birds and the bees and yeah, all that sort of thing, right? DNA and that sort of thing, so, mm. yeah. What is interesting about the Honey Island Swamp Monster is there is actually a Super 8 film of this. Um, and I had a quick search of the internet. I saw um, a guy advertising or pushing his own agenda, basically, with some convoluted sort of uh, heat thermal imaging thing that he'd caught um, but it didn't really relate to the original recording. Given that it was on Super 8, we're sort of looking at a Patterson-Gimblin-type yeah. quality sort of thing. Um, I'm just going to try and track it down in the next few days and see if we can uh, give it a decent analysis. Um, it is old footage um, from the 1970s. This fellow Harlan Ford, though, was pretty intrepid about it, and he was... He was really into, you know, um, finding out and working out what the what the swamp monster actually was, um, and he actually found some footprints, which there is photos of, or, or that I've uncovered anyway, uh, in the nineteen seventies, and they are quite interesting. Um, they're they're big, they're large, they've been made by something heavy. Um, again, you got to take with a grain of salt. These guys that are so invested in sounds stupid from a guy who runs a paranormal radio show, but these guys are really invested in. Proving it, the you know the burden of proofs on them, and when that happens, when no one else believes you, you know there is the opportunity that you could you know manufacture some evidence, isn't yeah, it? Like you said, they try and and um, and stage their credibility by saying oh, I'm I'm this person or this person. Sure, he's a doctor. I'm an air traffic controller. Yeah, you know, yeah, he might have worked at the airport as a cleaner or something. You know, but I mean, you got to look at the timelines as well. You know, of yep. the sightings. I think if if the skunk ape was an actual animal, yep, surely there would be more than one. Yep, um, it would, you would think that if it was more than one, they would all be living together in an area. So you'd be seeing, you know, maybe uh, a dominant male, a dominant female, and maybe children. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got to be making a mistake at some stage, and and you know, being seen by public. Mm. You know, um, more than just a, a quick glimpse on a on a trail cam or something like that, or or by someone who says, "Oh, you know, I saw it out the corner of my eye behind the bush." Yeah, you know, you'd think they would they would get curious. And also in those areas, they have they have quite a lot of uh, Louisiana and swamplands and and Florida and stuff where you hear a lot of sightings about cryptids and so forth. They do have quite diverse wildlife. I mean, they've had introduced stuff like you know giant pythons and things like that but they you know there's quite a lot of animals you know snakes and and lizards and spiders and little sort of swamp hogs and all this sort of thing that you don't find in other places it is it is unique but like the amazon you know the the uh the fauna is you know unique to that area and and can throw up sort of weird things if you don't know what you're looking at yeah my my other thought is you know eventually they're gonna have to die off Mm -hmm. did they bury their dead are they are they are they <laughs> yeah. that ritualistic or yeah. do they just lay down on the ground and pass away and mm. surely there'd be evidence of bones or things like that? Absolutely. 
Um, and that's always the the thing, isn't it? No one ever finds sort of any Yeti or skunk ape bones anywhere, do they? Yeah, I think. And it's, there's been hair found and things like that. Yeah, but, but it always turns out to be a goat, a doesn't goat or it? Or a bear or something, yeah. or a dog. Or it could be the monkey man of Delhi. Do you remember that a few years back? Yeah, it's actually for the. I, I do remember reading that and laughing about it with a friend of mine, and it turns out it was in 2001, which it doesn't seem that long ago, but it's almost 20 years ago now. Yeah. Um, basically, a four-foot-tall sort of uh, conical-shaped monkey man, for lack of a better term, um, called the Kala Bandar, which in Hindi, well, translates from Hindi into English as, as a black monkey, which doesn't give us much to go on. Um <laughs> terrorized uh, Delhi in or might have been New Delhi in uh, in India 20 years ago um, again I think this is an example of sort of mass hysteria and when someone's story getting a bit out of yeah, control well, I think, well, from what I've heard he was also he was a bit like the Spring Hill Jack where he yep. terrorized terrorize women absolutely so you're thinking a, a creepy little pervert is that well, what you're going possibly with? someone yeah. someone who's decided to to go bush and then come out just to <laughs> get his jollies yeah um, well, they took him seriously enough that the police issued an identicate of him, or, or right. of it, of the monkey man. I mean, he could have been, what's that disease where people grow all that hair all over themselves? Uh, you know the one I, I know mean. the one you're talking it's about. It's like a werewolf kind of yeah, disease. Yeah, I want to and... say lycanthropy, but mm. I think there's a different name for it. Lycanthropy is just, werewolf, you know, to turn it into werewolf. But yeah. Yeah, I know the one you're talking about. Yeah. I can't think I'm of wondering that. if someone's been suffering that, was suffering from that. Yeah. You know, parts of India are still a little bit third, you know, third world. It's still developing country. Uh, 20 years ago, you could have got someone in a village who had that as a medical condition. Um, he could have been embarrassed about it, hid away from people, which which makes a legend grow, doesn't it? Um, you know, Or he was just dirty, unkempt. Dirty and unkempt and a an, creepy little lived, pervert. Yeah, lived in the jungle, came out when he wanted to terrorise somebody. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, obviously if... if He's in a bit of a frenzy, mm. you know, and he's moving about, making all this noise, and then running back into the jungle again. Yeah, they're not going to get a great look at them, are they? And, no. <laughs> and and touching on what we talked about last week with with um, false memories, you know, yep. you, you talk about doing an identicate of, you know, in the spare of the moment, can you remember what this person looked like? Yeah. Um, obviously, you're going to describe that person to somebody, and then they're going to draw it down on a piece of paper. Yeah. It's going to be different, isn't it? Absolutely. I'm wondering if um, now Springhill Jack they reported that he he um, spat kind of fire at a, at people and red glowing eyes and this sort of carry on. I'm wondering if he was swallowing a bit of kerosene and and spitting it out and lighting it, something like that. Or Possibly, but I mean some he, theatrics. You know, you, you see pictures of him and he's wearing like what could almost be described as a Batman outfit. You know, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's got the bat wings yeah. and and the and the devil horns and things like that. So yeah. uh, maybe the the story's being embellished a little bit. Yeah, well, like most of these well, things, isn't it? Yeah. Um, on my uh, on my journey around Google today, looking for some lesser known cryptids, I came across a whole section on giant earthworms. Yeah. That got me really interested. Um, there's one in Brazil. Um, I think it's called the Minhothe. It's pronounced. Um, apologies if if you speak Portuguese and I've I've balls that up. Um, experts or skeptics say that it's a uh, South American lingfish, which is sort of a a creepy looking. I don't know if you know what a lingfish is. Yeah. It's a yeah okay. Well, it's a creepy looking snake like fish sort of situation. 
Um, and but the difference with the Brazilian earthworm is it has a snout like a pig. So <laughs> I'm not okay. sure what we're dealing with there. We perfectly honest, and it also. Oh, sorry, I forgot to mention. Also has scales. Has scales. So it's a scaly giant earthworm with a with the nose of a pig. And it, uh, it's not amphibious. It's uh, in the water. It's in the. It is in the water. Uh, I th- I think. Good point. I don't know. Yeah, so it's an excellent point. Well, it does earth, say earthworm, earth so let's go so with yeah. yeah. I mean, so uh, if it's got a scale, you would think possibly reptile or snake, wouldn't? Mm. Could be one of those sort of flathead. Well, they call them snakehead fish or something like that yeah. that you get over there, and yeah, and there's misidentification plays a big part in, yeah. in cryptids, as and we all know, on where it's been or where it's come from. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I'd love it to be some sort of uh, jungle uh, canopy dwelling mutant or something like that. Yeah. That would that would kind of be cool. Um, but you know, until we get a live specimen of any of this stuff, who really knows? You know, yeah, that's right. Um, for me, the you know, I think the most likely out of all the well-known cryptids is probably the orang pendek, just because of um, you know they've found the 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 uh, biological link with the hobbit people and all that sort of yeah. carry on, and 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 just some of the eyewitness stuff with the orang pendek, you know, it it seems to ring a lot truer than the sensationalism we get sort of in North America and places like that. Yeah, I mean, and I can believe that as well. There's there's a lot of of places within, you know, um, jungle villages and things like that, where where Western civilization kind of tends to leave other civilizations alone. And we know yep. they're there, but we leave them alone, and, and yep. you know, it's possible because we're not watching their media either. Is the That's other right. thing, yeah. yeah. Um, and there's a lot of stuff, obviously, with photo manipulation and stuff like that now, and. And, you know, people putting up, um, you know, creating their own images and all this sort of thing, that the, the, the chances of misidentification are a lot higher than, than they ever were. Um, and also you could put a picture of, you know, a common garden worm, you know, blow it up, enlarge it, sort of change the colours, you know, fiddle around with the photo on Photoshop and stuff like that and say, this is a 36-foot worm found in Bolivia by construction workers or something, you know. You take another picture of some guys grinning because they've dug up some gold or something like that or an artefact and and slot in the big fat slug, and then we, we've got a case. Yeah, or even, you know, you, you look back to some of these old photos. I think there's – I remember seeing one of a, of a giant fish on the back of a truck. Yeah. And this fish is giant. Yeah. But it's, it's all about perspective, so the fish yeah. is – so it's a little truck? Yeah, it's a little truck, big yeah. fish. Yeah. So, <laughs> what kind of fish was it? I can't ever remember. It was a black and white photo. Yeah. But Like some of those old shark photos you see um, from back in the day, and they say it was a 60-foot sort of um, megalodon situation and, and all that. But all the, the photos are taken, you know, as you say, it's all depth perception and, and perspective yep. and stuff. And they, you know, they'll take the photo up close, obviously, to make it look bigger. And the people in the photo are further back, or they're, they'll use children, and the scale's different, yeah. and you know this sort of thing. So, and especially when you when you think, you know, some of these people back in in the early days were travelling to all these um, exotic countries, and they want to yep. they want to send something exciting back home. And of course, yep. they're gonna they can't obviously they can't Photoshop back then, but you know they're gonna have a little bit of a laugh here and there and say, well, look what I saw back in the jungle of of. Uh, you know, the, the Africa's or whatever. Yep. Yeah. And, you know. Tales from the unknown continent yeah, and you know, stuff like that. See these little pygmy men holding up, you know, <laughs> a, a, an ape or something like that. What was that? Um, I've just had a picture in my mind of um, 
that ape sort of creature that I think it was some sort of squirrel monkey, but they stuck a basically a broom under its chin and, and, and yeah. posed it for the cameras. Yeah, no. It was never quite determined what that was, was it? No, but I think they, you know, they obviously killed it. Yeah. And I think they dismembered it. And yeah. Again, there was no evidence of it other than that photo. Yeah. I do know the one you're, you're talking about. Mm. But I have heard in the past that it is a monkey or something yeah. like that. But again, though. Of course, so, you know, if it's got a, it's a stick underneath its chin, its posture is going to be a bit different. Yeah, and you humanise it by doing yeah. that, don't you? And make That's it right. appear bipedal. Yeah, and it's, it's not going to be hunched over or anything like so that. So we're thinking a lot of this is just staged, you know, and a lot of it's perception as well. Yeah, yeah. And um, like I said, you know, people want to ride back home and they're going to. They didn't think about the consequences back then, you know, that mm. we're, we're not as protective as we are now of um, endangered species and things like that. No, absolutely. Well, in those days, you just shoot everything, yeah. wouldn't you? I mean, that was the, the thing to do. Um, no one's ever really shot a big cat, though, from what I've seen. Um, I was doing some research on British big cats. Um, I mean, I know all the classics, like uh, Beast of Bodmin Moor and, yeah. and, and the like. Um and I think we, we've spoken before about how I've seen giant cats in the South Island, just sort of wild things running around. Yeah. So, you know, you, you can, depending on how you look at things, you know, you could say, that's a big-looking cat, you know what I mean? A lot bigger than the cat I've got at home, and yeah. you put two and two together. But, you know, for me, until we come up with a body and some conclusive proof that there's giant cats running around... Well, I, I think of recently there was the story down south, and they, they, mm. they found... Um, waste of what could be from a big cat but i don't i haven't heard any updates on that story since. Mm. and so that's the problem with these the stories they, cold. they the trails do run cold and they and disappear do you think because the media you know they they just say we've got no photo of it really yeah. well we've got is a, a picture of some scat mm. you know the story can only run so far it's 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 human interest yeah. it's curio there's, but there's only so many photographs of the shit you can really <laughs> exactly and, yeah. It, obviously, it's it's not. Um, it was only a, a someone from the public that discovered it and wanted to go back investigate. I think so. Yeah. Obviously, it's time and money to go get things tested and and, and find results. And there's always and there's quite a movement with the big cats in the in the UK. There's like an actual society, and they all. Right drive around in vans and stuff like that hunting for them i remember seeing a tv show a few years ago which which one of these sort of big cat hunters he was an unusual guy as you can imagine um but he, he drove around in a, in a van with pictures of pumas on it and things like that and he um he got debunked by a uh, basically an expert in big cats you know from the from a university or a zoo or something like that you should have seen the look on the guy's face he just he was just destroyed his life work had been destroyed do you know what i mean yeah yeah, I, 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 I can understand. <laughs> I, feel, I did feel bad. You for feel my bad for them, but that's that's the point of doing your research, I suppose. Absolutely. You know? um, and of course, he's he's going to he's going to be um, corrected by someone who actually knows what they're talking about. Mm. Absolutely. Um, I think he put a lot of it down to badges and things like that, and you know, scratch marks, and he, he had a lot of photos, sort of. Um, it was circumstantial, you know, someone had just given him a photo of some scratches on a dog or something like that, and he's just he's just taking the bait and run with it, you know. So what about huge spiders? Are you an arachnophobe yourself? I'm not. I I find I have no problems with spiders at all. Yeah, I've got, I've got a huge problem with spiders. You have? To be honest, yeah. Uh, I mean, most of them, the, the ugly ones, I'm, mm. I'm really not a big fan of. I used to work in freight containers. <laughs> 
and, and just to see the, these when things. They, when you open it up. You open up a container yeah. and, and it's like, that's not supposed to be here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm staying well clear of that. Now, my uh, mum lived in uh, Papua New Guinea for seven years when she was younger. And to this day, she claims to have seen a spider with a, a span. Um, she reckons as big as two man's hands is, is the best way right. to describe it. Um, that wouldn't be your cup of tea, would it? No. You would have been a regular Miss Muffet on that one, wouldn't you? Yeah, that would be a, a killer on <laughs> moment. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that's a huge animal if, if that's the yeah. case. I mean, there is reports of some pretty big tarantulas and stuff, yeah. but um, even I would be a little bit uneasy. But they just they just don't scare me for some reason. Like Some people like that with snakes. Like, my nightmare is having a snake draped all over me. You see, I'm, I'm not afraid of snakes. You're happy with snakes? Yeah. Well, I mean... I what about their creepy like, heads and stuff, though? Like, no, yeah, they don't bother me. I no? Well, but, I mean, I live in New Zealand. We don't have snakes here, so... That's true. I can easily say I'm not afraid of it until someone says that's a poisonous one. It's going to bite you <laughs> if you're not careful. What does creep me a little bit is uh, salamanders. Okay, I think they're they're an odd-looking beast. Say, exolotls and things like yeah. that, they're... They're creepy because they eat each other, first they of all. They eat each other. And, and they can regenerate, can't that's they? That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, in Japan, um, I mean, it's probably classed as a cryptid, the giant salamander, but because there is salamanders, you know, swimming around, it's it's not out of the realms of possibility that there could be enormous ones. And they have been reported over the years. And if you look at um, Japanese art and things like that, um, and storytelling over the centuries, there is, you know, there's quite a lot of um, descriptions of, of giant beasts. Yep. It could be a case of just the the biggest, fattest, slowest ones got hunted to extension for whatever That's reason. Right. I mean, um, I'm not sure what you use a salamander for, the byproducts of one for, but there's some, there's got to be some market for somebody food. somewhere. Yeah. yeah, I mean, for, eat yeah, eating okay. a big salamander for lunch. Yeah. How's that sound? <laughs> But I'd like to see that because, I mean, yeah, they're, they're icky. They're a bit icky sort of a beast. But, um, you know, if confronted with a giant one, I'd be pretty curious to, to see what was going on. Have you ever heard of the uh, Stella's sea ape? No. Okay. Now, in Alaska, first reported sighting basically of a dog head. Um, it's got a dog head and drooping whiskers. So it's <laughs> it's a strange – I saw a, a – a, uh, a sort of sketch of one. There's obviously there's no photos of one. Well, no, nothing that I'm aware of anyway. Sketch dating back to 1741. Um, it's got a dog head, drooping whiskers. Person, I think, could be mistaken. You know, an otter, a giant otter, or something like that, or a, someone saw an otter sticking its head out of the sea and put two and two together, or you know, I don't know. Um, but it is. A, it's a strange looking thing. I mean, and and it pops up quite a lot when you're reading about cryptids and stuff like that it's it's probably doesn't quite belong in the lesser known character yeah. category that we're trying to talk about about this evening but who knows really i mean new zealand had um new zealand had some indigenous species that are no longer with us the the moa which was the biggest now what's the exact term here the biggest flightless, flightless bird, bird ever yeah. okay so big Something along the lines of Emu ostrich. That's sure, that's of, that's the way to look at it. Yeah, and that was extinct. Um, what are we going back to? A couple of hundred years now, probably. Yeah. Um, people to this day still say they see every few years a moa story will yeah, pop up in New Zealand, up. won't it? Usually in um, the depths of Fiordland, it's down Southland, something like that, somewhere away from people. Anyway, I'd like it to be true. Yep, I think and, it'd be and cool, it, but. it could be. It could be. Um, 
I just think that, you know, down there it is pretty desolate. We've talked in the past about how um, they introduced moose down there uh, for hunting. Some Canadian moose were introduced there the turn of the 20th century, uh, 19th century, sorry, into the 20th century, um, introduced for hunting and stuff like that as usual. Um, So there's a possibility that they existed once down there. for the past sort of fifty years or so, there was a guy who was on a on a quest um, to prove or disprove whether they were still around. But but you know that's based in fact because we do know that there was some there originally, and then you know they they're they're a big animal and they're a bit clumsy and they they're going to stick out like the proverbial dog's balls, you know, down down there. But there's still that possibility that they're still roaming around. And it's a big place that's relatively uncharted as well. Absolutely, so absolutely. Yep. Um, so we had the moa and the moose, but we also had the biggest bird that ever lived, I think, the Haast eagle. Right. Um, now, the Haast eagle was said to um, to prey on smaller moas, the short sort of stumpy, fatter moas. Yeah. Um, they <laughs> couldn't quite get away, got decimated, not by the indigenous Maori population. Well, they did, but... The Haast Eagle, um, you know, it was, it was involved to an extent as well. But once they were um, made extinct by predation, human predation, the Haast Eagle, unfortunately, went the same way as tends to happen. Um, but that would be awesome to see a Haast Eagle. Have you ever seen a uh, mock-up of one, like in a museum? Or Yeah. Yeah. yeah pretty, pretty impressive pretty, beast, Pretty impressive. Yeah. And, and there is some Maori folklore based on large birds as well so you know give some credit to it as well absolutely they, they obviously feared them enough to to have stories about them about going alone in the in the forest as well so yeah yeah every few years something washes up on a beach in new zealand doesn't it we're not yep. um we've actually had quite an extensive history of of giant squid uh washing up um We've got one in the National Museum, I think, again in Wellington, that they roll out from the cameras from time to time, um, harping back to the legend of the Kraken and so forth. But, you know, you can see where those legends come from as well, you know. Um, But you could imagine if if you saw one in the the sea. Especially in the days before overfishing, you know what I mean? And you saw one of these huge squid, you told your mates, you came back to shore and no one believed you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you couldn't yeah, prove it you in those days, yeah. you know? That was the other thing. Because, of course, obviously something that big would only just touch the surface and then go back down again. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to throw a spanner in, not not uh, strictly a cryptid, because we know it existed, but it seems to be the uh, talk of the town at the moment is the Megalodon. Right. Um, probably after that average movie with Jason Statham, the Meg. Well, it wasn't too bad, actually. I'm probably being a bit mean. Filmed here as well, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was yeah. filmed in New Zealand, exactly. Um, came out and it's become the new fascination. I think in Fortnite and those sort of games, there's a Megalodon. My seven-year-old um, nephew's always talking about them. So there's, you know, they're in the news. Yep. What do we think? What do you think there's a chance that they've been around or I think they, they're all gone as well? Well, no one's actually seen one though, has it? It's a bit different from no your regular. One, no cryptid. one's actually seen one. No, but you hear the odd story from time to time of great white sharks with huge chunks being taken out of them. Yeah, of course, great white shark. It's it's a it's a big animal. Yeah, something's taken a bite out of it. A bigger it's, animal. Yeah, yeah. So if 
Yeah, if it's not a, a bigger shark, obviously, mm. it's so either got to be a bigger great white shark or an unknown species mm. of bigger shark. Much bigger shark. Much bigger shark. So, but I mean, is that normal behaviour for for white sharks to eat each other? I don't see why not. I mean, I know they fight. I know they fight. Probably mistaken identity, and food. perhaps. I don't know. Yeah, but that's a. That's a big chunk there, because every time I've seen a, a white shark, you know, attack, um, you know, the fish they put out of burley or something like that, they, you know, they approach things pretty cautiously, and and you know they'll have a nibble, and yeah. and even if there's a whale carcass or something, they sort of swarm around and strip bits off it and things like that. They don't go in for one huge bite and just eat half of it, do they? Yeah, um, I don't know. Unless they're being territorial or something like that, I don't know. Mm. Don't know their behaviour that off, that much, so. Yeah, and if there's other sharks around, I suppose they're not as, yeah, you know, taking huge ones. I mean, they take big, big blumps of blubber off a whale and things like that, yeah. but not to the with the same precision that we've seen in those pictures of, of you know, half a shark's basically being been yeah. swallowed. You know. So again, I'd like to say that the ocean is a big place, and mm. I'd like to believe that that Megs exist still. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> but again. Would we have seen one by now if they did exist? Mm. Surely they'd break the surface somewhere. Well, they'd have to, wouldn't they? Yeah. To an extent, I mean, and they wouldn't hunt it. They wouldn't hunt at depths because it's not typical shark behaviour, is no. it? I mean, they're sort of surface hunters, and you know they'll hunt it at, at twilight and things like that. Um, have, there is species of shark, obviously that, uh, like that Greenland shark. That that's a yeah. huge sort of a thing. Um, which and they only show up once in a while, you know. I think they the Inuit catch them and things like that through ice fishing, but um, or any sort of indigenous population up in in the north of the world. Yeah. Um. So we know, you know, we know they're around. Um. And they sort of mind their own business down at the depths, you know. I think their eyesight's probably not that great because they're because they're down so low. But who knows what's lurking down there? As long as, as long as they're not around me, I'm totally cool yeah, with it. Well, I, it. I don't go swimming that far, so <laughs> I'm all good. <laughs> nah. and you don't and you don't go swimming in the uh, in Arctic water nah, either. So no, you know that's that's sort of a bit self limiting the whole thing, isn't it? Oh, that's awesome. Um, we're almost out of time. I think the first show might have just gone over a little bit, but that's just flown by. Episode nineteen yes, yep. of Occam's Razor. Um, we're bringing you this on East FM 88.1, 107.1. Uh, just another little mention of the podcast radio. Um, that's their handle, thepodcastradio.co.uk. Uh, it's an online, um, well, sorry, it's a uh, podcast network, effectively, station, um, playing 24 hours a day of podcasts interjected with my mate Jerry, who's, or he's claiming, to be the world's first pod jock. So he's going to uh, do his little show and his little time and tamp and spiels between very interesting podcasts, uh, and that's launching tomorrow in the UK. And the reason I'm plugging it so much, uh, well, firstly, because he's a mate of mine, but secondly, because Occam's Razor is scheduled for 10 p.m. most evenings. Uh, that's UK time, so in our time it'll be... Uh, on sort of in the morning in this part of the world. And we've also got the magical sort after 4 a.m. slot as well. Nice. So you'll hear um, our erudite conversation um, at least once a week. And if you've got nothing to better to do at 4 a.m. or you're just getting home or your girlfriend's kicked you out and you're sleeping in your car, tune in to Occam's Razor because we'll be there, but will you be?
We'll see you next time. Thanks to Sam Collier for coming in. Thanks for having me. And we'll leave you a bit of Robert Stack, Unsolved Mysteries. See you next time.